0: Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. Here, here's what the word says. And now and I'll give you a little background after I read this. But Daniel eleven thirty-two: 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant. He shall corrupt with flattery. Now just, just bear with me and I'll give you some background. But the people who know their God. Shall be strong and carry out exploits. Verse 33 then says, And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. I'm going to take that setting. And I just want to begin to talk to you a little bit out of some things that the Lord has put into my heart. And we're going to start right here in Daniel. And that's where we're going to be tonight. But this is going to move in some different directions as we continue to move forward in this this vein of thought. Now let me give you a little bit of background on on Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11 is a very specific prophecy. Now a lot of people have... There's a couple ways to look at this prophecy... Uh, A lot of people look at the whole chapter and say, well, it's talking about the Antichrist that is to come. Uh, Okay, so that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that because it is. But Daniel chapter 11, at the beginning, chapter 1, verse number 1, and running through down, through about verse 35, is not only talking about times to come, it's talking about times that were to come That Daniel was talking about. But it's talking about a time that's already come as well. There was a leader named Antiochus Epiphanes. Okay, He was a ruler that would rise after Daniel would write this. Sometime after this prophecy. He would rise and through the first 35 verses he fulfilled... Exactly what those verses were talking about. So much so that there are are people that will say, Well, that part of Daniel, it's not possible that 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 was written in Daniel's time. It had to be written after Antiochus Epiphanes had had come along. They, They try to say it's not possible because it's so accurate as to what would come. But it is. It was written before. He followed through with that and he set up the, the uh, abomination of desolation in the temple. He, he fulfilled those things, set those things up, caused worship to cease. And so that, that is a part. And then in, in verse, at verse number 36, there is a shift. Because then moving forward, these were not things that Antiochus Epiphanes fulfilled, these are things that the Antichrist in future will begin to fulfill. And he will fulfill all of that chapter. And so so even though there's a type here, speaking of Antiochus Epiphanes to the people of that day, he's also speaking ahead to us. So I wanted to catch you up on that and realize where you are in the framework of this. Because what he is saying here, the the prophet is saying this is very prophetic. And he's prophesying what is going to come. And, and he's prophesying what did come. But he's also prophesying what is still yet to come. See, the, there's one thing you have to understand about the Bible. The Bible is full of layers. That means just, just because one thing happens, it doesn't mean that thing is finished happening. <laughs> okay? It, because, because God can... well take, for instance, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter number 2. Joel had prophesied. And Joel said, in the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all the earth. And I'll I'll pour it out. And he talked about what was going to happen. And Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 after the Spirit had fallen. And he said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that he would pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. But, He said, but this is going to carry on for as many as are afar off. So he's speaking to us and beyond. So see, even though it had, and then some people will say, well, it it happened in the book of Acts on the second chapter and that ended it. No, that that was just a part of the fulfillment of that prophecy of Joel. It carries on today and will carry on until the church is taken out of this world. Amen. Because as many as are far off, it it means there's no end to it. It's going to continue to be poured out. The spirit of God is poured out. So the, the word, you got to understand that about the word. And so we're not... I'm not going to get into the prophetic of that as much tonight. That'll be for another study in another time. But I wanted to bring that to you because he is saying here and what was fulfilled through Epiphanes here Antiochus Epiphanes what was fulfilled there was exactly what I just read to you. Because he would come and he would muster forces against Jerusalem. And he would, verse 32, those who do wickedly against the covenant, those that would refuse the covenant of God. Antiochus Epiphanes corrupted them with flattery. He ruined them with flattery. He said, oh, you're doing well. You're doing good. This is exactly what you need to do. Well, what they were doing was they were backing away from the covenant with their God. They were not keeping covenant with God. And so this this false leader, this demonic leader, if you will, he came along and he flattered them. He corrupted them with flattery. And many of them followed him. Okay? So that was happening. Verse 32, again, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt with flattery. Now, our day, the spirit of Antichrist is still doing that. And then in future days, the Antichrist will do that again. Okay? So you've got to understand what is being said here. So verse 32, he'll corrupt them with flattery. But then he said, but... Everybody say, but... The people who know their God. That's the ones that they are not pulling back from the covenant. They are not turning away from the Lord. But they are pressing into the Lord. They've not been corrupted by flattery. They've not allowed the world to talk them in to just going along with the world. They that know the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now I want, you to, I want you to hear that because this is pivotal. Here's what the Lord began to say to me. And then it was confirmed to me after prayer. The Lord said this to me. And then somebody came up and gave me a piece of paper that confirmed this to me. And in fact, even before we went into prayer last night, I just made a statement that really was not the, 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 was not a statement I was thinking of making. It just kind of came out of me. And then in prayer, the Lord began to drive that home to me. And then it was confirmed to me afterward. And what the Lord is calling us to... What the Lord is leading us into, what the Lord is asking of us, is a fresh anointing. A a early church anointing. I want you to to follow along with me. If you will, if the terminology would fit, a pre-Christian anointing. Now I know that sounds odd. In fact, the way it was given to me in confirmation, even though the wording was different, was was just as important. An ancient anointing. Okay? Now, here's the Lord begin to deal with this. This is what Daniel 11.32 deals with. It talks about an anointing that comes upon those who know their God and stand for Him in the face of adversity. Those people will be strong and carry out great exploits. Okay? That's an anointing that is before. And God is beginning to deal with me and deal with us. That He's calling us to this early anointing. To shake us out of everything else. And I begin to go. And then this is what we're going to do over the next little bit. I begin to go now in the last couple of days. And uh, yesterday, today, last night and then today. I begin to go Look. At that early church. At that first beginning church. Because that's what the Lord really began to lay in my heart. Go look at what they did. Go look. what was, Here was the questions the Lord has been dealing with me. The Spirit of God has been dealing with me today. What was their doctrine? What was their focus? What was their presentation? Because they were people who knew their God through Christ. And were strong and carried out great exploits. That early church. I'm talking about that very early church. They, they were people like Daniel talked about. Now, now, Daniel talks here that also can cover the, if you've ever heard of the Maccabean revolt, that covers that. That's in that time frame that we talked about. But it doesn't stop there. It's going to move forward now. And the early church picked this up. And down through the ages people have picked this up. The persecuted church always picks up this mantle and carries it. That that when the enemy wants to come in and corrupt and try to talk us out, that they that know their God, they are strong and they carry out exploits. When the church is persecuted, this always is seen. But down through the ages, this is always is a mantle the remnant has always carried, and God is asking us to pick up this mantle. I felt this in my spirit today. And I began to think about it as the question was asking me what, what was their doctrine? What was their focus? What was their pro, uh, presentation the early church that book of Acts church? What was it that they were focused on cuz we see a very different church than we see today. And all of a sudden the Lord brought to my mind our banner that sets back there that carries on it Somebody, somebody, with, uh, somebody grab that for me. Well, when he, oh, Mark, will you run back there and grab that banner for me, the, the, the blue and white one, and just bring it up here. All of a sudden, what grabbed my mind was that banner, what we are about, setting the pace. And all of a sudden, I begin to think of that early church. They set a pace. They were a pre-Christian church. Amen. In fact, it was not, thank you Mark, I just said it right down here somewhere. That in fact, they, they were not called Christians until Acts 11. And then it would be sometime after that 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 would really catch on. For the longest time, they were called people of the way. They were, they were just Christ followers. They were known as a sect. They were known as just this group of believers. But, but they turned the world upside down. And the Lord began to speak to me about because they determined to set a pace given to them by the Lord and by the Spirit. And, and you know what they did? They proclaimed the gospel. Everywhere they went. You go look in the book of Acts. They proclaimed the gospel. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Resurrected and ascended on high. And that is the only way to salvation. They accepted people. Do you know that church was made up? In fact, so much so that some of the religious side of the church got angry about it. The Jewish side of the church got angry about it because they even accepted Gentiles. Accepted people. They connected together. They were always together praying and Reading and looking into the word and worshiping together and service together. They connected together. In fact, at one time, that wasn't the whole time, people that try to take that and say Christianity is some sort of socialist utopia. And that's one time in Scripture do we see where it says that they took all their things, put them all together and sold them to where anyone that had need could could Pull from the other. But later on they weren't doing that. Because they were having churches in their houses. And they were doing their own thing. And the church at Corinth. He said, you know, if you're hungry, eat at home. <laughs> right? So, you know, we, we kind of get all bent out of shape by taking things out of. But they connected together. They never quit connecting together. Because there's strength when we come together. And then they were empowered by the Spirit. And the Lord said to me, when I went, the Lord said to me, when he spoke that to me, it was preparing for now. He wants us to set the pace. He wants us to come back to that early church anointing. Back before all the debates over doctrine." Come on now, y'all got quiet on me. Do you know that early church? They didn't gather. that When there was an issue, they took, in in Acts 15, the church didn't have the issue. The Jewish side had the issue. Because something had happened that messed up their whole belief system. The Gentiles were were accepted in and received the Holy Spirit. And so when when word came back, they were all arguing and bickering about it. In Jerusalem, Antioch was just having church. Right? And finally they gathered together and they said, okay, we need to do something about this because the Judaizers were trying to come down and tell the church they all had to be, you know, they all had to conform under the law and they all had to do this stuff and and so take away their freedom, put it back under the law. And so they came down, they made a decision. James, after prayer, spoke up, gave the decision. And, And it was not a real lengthy diatribe. You know? I mean, basically he told them, hey, Don't eat things offered to idols. (laughs) Love Jesus. You know, I mean, pretty pretty well. It it was pretty simple. And, And what did we do? We took from that and we moved forward. And when you move forward a couple of centuries, the church gets real organized, real structured, eventually becomes real powerful in the world. But loses the early church anointing. Corruption crept in. In fact, just in a decision by a Caesar overnight, everyone in Rome was considered Christian. Christian. <laughs> I mean, no. That it didn't matter that he made that. Not everyone in Rome was a Christian, no more than not everyone in in the United States is a Christian. But, but, but from there, the church became this powerful entity. And any time we get more focused on being a powerful entity and a power player in the world, rather than focused on the kingdom of God, we step out of the early anointing. We got to make a choice. Do we want to be power brokers in our world or do we want to be people of power in the kingdom? You can't have it both ways. Amen. Because this world is darkness. And darkness and light are constantly in conflict. Right? And so the world is constantly trying to press upon that spirit of Antichrist is always trying to press upon the church. And, and the best way he can get us is not through persecution. Have you ever noticed bad times does something to Christian or church people? Very, very few, when bad times come, very seldom do you see people just throw up their hands and run away. If they've been raised in church, been Christians, know, know the Lord. Now, sometimes bad situations turn people. I'm not saying that. But overall, what I've seen is when bad things happen, church people call out to the Lord. So when the enemy kind of brings that on the church, he drives the church to their knees. And when the church drives to the, is driven to their knees, the church becomes powerful. Okay? But do you know how he does get us? He flatters us. accepts us. He finds ways to say, you know, if you'll just, if you'll just fit in a little bit here, you'll get a, you'll have a lot more power. Anybody, how many of you were raised up in Pentecostal churches? If you're raised up in a Pentecostal church, that means, that means you're old enough to remember this. How many of y'all remember when the Pentecostal churches weren't accepted by the world or the rest of the evangelical church world? Raise your hand if you're old enough to remember that. <laughs> All right. I'm old enough to remember that. We we weren't we were not except we were wild. We were like that young sibling that was crazy. <laughs> right. right. That's the way they looked at us. That's that you know that, that's them people over there you never know what they're going to do. We were we weren't invited to the upper echelons of society in those days, right? Y'all remember that? Every one of our churches was on the wrong side of the tracks. The, yeah, they, they were it, for a long time when we evangelized and we would go to churches, whether it was Church of God, Assembly of God, they were Pentecostal churches. This was before you had navigation on your phone. If we didn't know how to get there, we knew. If we would just go find the wrong side of the tracks and drive around long enough, we would find that Pentecostal church we were looking for. And usually you had to go down a road that turned into a dirt road that went into a dead end and then there it was back there on that side. You know, we didn't have drive-by churches then, you know. We didn't, we didn't set out in good places. That, that, that was just the way, that was the way it was. We were not, this, but, but we were people of prayer and believed in miracles. had Holy Ghost outbreaks. Come, come on, somebody. Amen. We'd pray, we'd pray all night long in prayer meetings. I went to church. My mom and dad took me to church. I'm not going to say what I normally say. I, you know, I always say I was drugged to church. as my drug problem. They'd take me to church Sunday nights when I was little. I had school Monday morning when it got late. They just put me down, laid me down under the pew, and they'd say, just sleep here till we go home. Amen. That's what we did. And I mean to tell you, we didn't we didn't just stop. I mean, they they were there. <laughs> right? I mean you'd get them you'd get them church mothers around you praying. Come on, anyone anyone remember that those times? When I was a little guy, those, those church mothers scared me sometimes. I've told people before, I got saved sometimes just because I was scared they weren't ever going to let me up if I didn't just go ahead and yield. And they'd pray for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And on one side they'd be saying, just let go, just let go. And then on the other side they're saying, hold on, hold on. It wasn't always about the doctor, but there was Power. There was miracle scene. Hey, come on now. How I many people come in sick? A woman came in with cancer, went to our church, was dying of cancer on a on oxygen, and a walker came in, the church prayed for her. I saw that woman run about three or four times around the church, tossed her walker to the side, her oxygen to the side, and walked six blocks home. Amen. We we there was this ancient anointing. Now I'm not saying now I'm not saying you have to live on the wrong side of the tracks to have that, or or that you have to be at church till midnight to have that. I'm not I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying when but when we get comfortable we are we become willing to exchange that early anointing for acceptance. And crowds are great. But crowds, in a place where there is an early anointing, will always get stirred to response. Crowds, just for crowds' sake, don't really do a whole lot. A- amen. Right? Is this, is this alright? I told you, I, you know, I'm going to blame the Lord on this. He, he said, I'm calling you to an early anointing. So I began to search and say, okay, what does that mean, Lord? What does that mean to us? And, and here's what he began to say to me because, you know, I'm not, he's not asking us to go back and please, please hear me. This has nothing to do with what we look like. Please hear that. It had nothing to, well, we just looked like we did back. No, if we looked like we did back then, you couldn't even buy clothes. You'd have to make all your clothes. It's not about looking a certain way. It's, not, not a, it's, not, it's, it's about that early anointing. Paying the price for that anointing. Getting a desire for the things of God greater than the things of this world. See, and, and it all comes down to that spirit of Antichrist will corrupt God's people with flattery. But when we know God, we will be strong and do exploits. So as I began to pray about that, the Lord began to speak to me in that. And and I'm not going to go into it all because I know what time it is. My grandpa and my old pastors that I was under, they'd kick me every time I said that. Because they didn't ever say that in churches I grew up in. They didn't care what time it was. Y'all think I hold you long. We had a song leader growing up in the church I grew up in. He was an older gentleman. And he'd get up, you know, he did the, you know. He didn't have any training. He didn't know what that was. That's just what he did. And he'd get up there and sing. And as kids in the back, we'd, we would gamble on how many songs we were going to sing that night. <laughs> till the Holy Spirit get get all us, and then we'd all have to go repent. We'd sing nine songs and people say, "I don't know. With these courses, we sing them over and over." Oh, give me a break! We'd sing verse three or verse four or one of those songs fifteen times. Amen. Don't talk to me about. It. Well, we just sing that chorus too many times, over and over and over. And they're the same people that grew up in the same church as I did. If it was one of the one of the get myself in trouble aren't i if it was one of the verses in one of their favorite hymns you could sing that thing 175 times and it wouldn't bother them wow. hey man oh, there we go hey i just that's it i just we just throw it out there it it's it that early anointing it's not a, it's not about any it's about a desire here's what he said they will they that know their God. And I'm going to give you this and we'll dig into it more because I'm gonna I'm gonna just stop there for tonight. They that know their God, to know God is one of the most powerful statements in this book Amen. to know God. Because you can't know God and get unless God reveals Himself to you. And, and, and to know God is an imperative. Please, this is, and, and I, I talk too much about the other stuff tonight. But, but we're going to dig into this over the next couple weeks. And we're going to really talk about this. What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to be strong? What does it mean to do exploits? But we've got to know God. God's given us the greatest opportunity this world has ever known. And that is to know Him. And that early anointing seeks to know God. It doesn't seek to hear from God things to make them better day by day. That early anointing, that anointing that's strong and does exploits, that anointing seeks to know God more. We live in a world today that they want to know about God because they want to know concepts they can apply to make their life easier. But that's not that early anointing. That early anointing is about knowing God in fellowship, in communion, in friendship, in honor, in relationship. And God says, come, let's reason together. Have you ever ever just stopped and thought about some of the statements in the Bible? God says, come, let's reason together. What an unbelievable opportunity to come and sit around the Word and just reason with God. Think a little bit. See, it would do some of us good every now and then to just think with God a little bit. To think about the things of God. To let your mind rest on the things of God. Just think about it. Look, look, look at when he shows up with Moses. He just talks with him. And Moses said, Well, I'm not worthy. And God said, But you can do this. Amen. It's reasoning, talking, communion, come and fellowship. Come and dine. Sit at my table. And he gives us pictures like King David. Bringing Mephibosheth, who was Saul's offspring. The, the last one who was, who was damaged goods. Who other kings wouldn't allow him to set at his table because he didn't look right. And he wasn't the, of the right kind and the right type. And he was damaged. But David, representing God, says, representing Christ, says, come and set at my table. God wants you to come and sit at his table. He leads you beside still waters. He makes you lay down. He wants you to just lay down and rest in green pastures. He'll set up a table before you, with you in the presence of your enemy. That means your enemy doesn't bother God. When the enemy's lurking around and we're all worked up, worried about it, God just sets a table and I can just see him. Now, how many know God? God's not a man. Like, like we are. But I can just see God revealing himself to us and setting out two place settings. Here's your plate and mine. And here's some silverware over here. And sets us and the devils out there. And we're all worried. We're all worried. Oh God, help us. And God just gets our attention and says, come here and just sit, sit here. Let's just eat a little bit. That's the opportunity God gives you to know him. And we bypass that. And we get so busy. We get so off trial. We get so far away from that early anointing. I believe the Lord would say it like he said it to the church at Ephesus in Revelation. He said, "This one thing I have against you. You've left your first love. Amen. You've left that first love. You remember the joy you felt when you got saved? You remember the love you felt? You remember the excitement you felt that first time when you gave your heart to the Lord and He came through? That's that first love.